Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 16th of January. India registered a little over 15,000 fresh COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours. The total COVID tally stood at the 1.05 crore mark or 10.5 million. Under 200 fresh fatalities were recorded, taking the nationwide death toll to 1,52,000. India's COVID vaccination drive, one of the largest in the world, was launched this morning by Prime Minister Narendra Modi. On the first day of the inoculation drive, 3 lakh people across 3,006 vaccination sites in the country were scheduled to get vaccinated. Shots of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine, Covishield, being developed by the Serum Institute of India and Bharat Biotech's Covaxin will be used in the vaccination drive. Every individual will need to receive two doses of the same vaccine within a span of 28 days. The Prime Minister asked citizens not to ignore the second phase of the vaccine and said that 30 crore people will be inoculated by the second phase of the vaccination. Vaccine administration was underway in full swing across states and union territories today. A sanitation worker became the first person to receive the vaccine jab at All India Institute of Medical Sciences or AIMS in New Delhi. Union Health Minister Harshvardhan was also present to start off the drive at AIMS. Inoculation began at 65 centres across Assam. The state has received 2.21 lakh vaccines so far. Nearly 1.9 lakh COVID-19 workers will be administered the vaccine in the state in the first phase. This will be followed by 1 lakh frontline workers in the second stage. In Karnataka, over 24,000 people will be vaccinated today. The vaccination drive in the state began at the Bengaluru Medical College in the presence of the Chief Minister B.S. Yadurappa. Over 16,000 people in Gujarat and over 31,000 people in Uttar Pradesh are also scheduled to receive the first shot of the vaccine today. Meanwhile, activist Saket Gokhale today filed a writ petition against the Drugs Controller General of India seeking the safety and efficacy data submitted by Bharat Biotech for Covaxin. Many had expressed concerns about the use of the indigenously developed Covaxin. The vaccine, which was developed by Bharat Biotech in association with the Indian Council of Medical Research or ICMR, has no data from the Phase 3 of clinical trials. Data from its second phase of trials also has not been peer-reviewed yet. Another cause of concern noted by several individuals today is that those taking Covaxin are being asked to sign a separate consent form acknowledging that the vaccine is being administered without phase 3 trial. The form also assured compensation if any adverse effects were found linked to the vaccine. The farmers' agitation against the centre's farm laws has gone on for over 50 days now. The ninth round of talks between the centre and the farmers remained inconclusive yesterday. The next round of talks is scheduled to take place on 19th of January, which is also the day when the Supreme Court-appointed committee is likely to start consulting stakeholders to end the deadlock. The Supreme Court, in its judgment in the matter on the 12th of January, had stayed the implementation of the three farm laws and ordered the formulation of a four-member committee to resolve the impasse. The farmers, ahead of the apex court's ruling, had rejected the offer of meeting a committee. Incidentally, the members of the appointed committee were found to have publicly backed the centre's farm laws in the past. One of the court-nominated members, Bhupinder Singh Man, also recused himself from the committee a day after he was nominated. Farmers expressed that the other three members of what they described as a pro-government committee should quit as well. During yesterday's talks, two leaders of the 40 farmer unions expressed their scepticism about the Supreme Court-appointed panel's role. They said that they wanted continued direct communication with the centre and not brokers.
In the meeting yesterday, farmers also raised the issue of the National Investigation Agency, or NIA, summoning and raiding transporters in Punjab who are supporting the farmers' agitation and providing logistical support. The NIA recently summoned a tourist bus operator and two others in connection with a case registered against the leader of the band outfit, Six for Justice, or SFJ. 47-year-old Inderpal Singh, one of the individuals who was summoned, told the Indian Express that he owns a Ludhiana-based transport company and runs tourist buses. He said that he, along with two of his friends, had started a bus service for farmers going to the Delhi protest sites from Ludhiana nearly a month ago. Talking about the matter, a farmer's representative said that transporters being summoned was a way to put pressure on the protesters. Meanwhile, the Indian Express reported today that Baldev Singh Sirsa, a farmer leader and the president of the Lok Bhalai in Saf Welfare Society or LBIWS, which is one of the unions participating in the talks with the centre, was summoned by the NIA. Sirsa is expected to appear at the NIA headquarters in Delhi on 17th of January for questioning in a case related to the banned outfit SFJ. Sirsa told the newspaper yesterday that the centre was trying to derail the farmers' protest. He said, and I quote, First, the government tried to derail the farmers' agitation through the Supreme Court. Now it is using the NIA. Unquote. In the Supreme Court hearing in relation to the farmers' agitation on Tuesday, Attorney General K.K. Venugopal had told the court that the government had been informed about Khalistani infiltration in the ongoing farmers' protests. Venugopal said that he would provide an Information Bureau report regarding the same. The farmers, however, have time and again asked the centre and the leaders of the Modi government to not malign their protest by alleging the involvement of groups with such agendas. The anger of the farmers against the media is palpable. From Z News proposing a Khalistani angle to the protests against section of the media suggesting that the farmers were being misled, farmers have been vocal about their anger and distrust towards what they call the Godi media. So much so that they even started their own bi-weekly community-run newspaper, The Trolley Times, in order to reclaim their discourse. To know about how the farmers' fight is a twofold one, one against the new laws and the other against media's misrepresentation, please do read Ashif Iqbal's report on Newslaundry.com. It is titled, Reclaiming the Narrative, What Farmers' Protest and Trolley Times Tells Us About the Media's Systemic Failure. A supplementary charge sheet filed by the Mumbai police on January 11th in the TRP scam case has revealed the alleged collusion between Republic TV editor-in-chief Arnab Goswami and the former CEO of the Television Ratings Agency, Broadcast Audience Research Council or BARC, Partho Das Gupta. The charge sheet contains hundreds of pages of purported WhatsApp conversations between the two, revealing that Goswami colluded with Das Gupta to get his news channel Republic TV an advantage over rivals. The chat also shows that Goswami offered more than once to mediate on Das Gupta's behalf with political leadership, including as high up as the Prime Minister's office. The two also discussed the TRP system, other news channels and defence-related matters, among others. The chats also made public Goswami's alleged proximity with Smriti Irani, the Union Minister of Women and Child Development and Textiles. In August 2017, Goswami was travelling from Delhi to Mumbai with Smriti Irani, the then Minister of Information and Broadcasting, and he described her as a great friend in the chats. Das Gupta, who had been urging Goswami to meet Irani, asked the TV anchor to influence the politician regarding several policy matters. The chat also includes a conversation where Das Gupta asks Goswami to get him a job as a media advisor in the Prime Minister's office. In the chats, Goswami on multiple instances refers to his proximity to the Prime Minister's office. 
He also boasts of having met the National Security Advisor Ajit Doval and of breaking what he described as the biggest story on Jammu and Kashmir through insider inputs. My colleague Ayush and Pratik reviewed hundreds of pages of these WhatsApp conversations. The chats indicate that Goswami and Das Gupta met regularly, shared jokes about politicians, calculated business interests after major political developments, berated the Times group and gossiped about other journalists. Their conversations throw light on what appears to be collusion between Republic TV and Bark to enable Goswami's channel to access confidential TV viewership data and malign his competitors. It reveals Bark's lobbying efforts with top ministers in the Narendra Modi government and the possible suppression of complaints against the pro-government TV channel in the Ministry of Information and Broadcasting. To save yourself from reading hundreds of pages of these conversations and to know more about the collusion between the media and the Modi government, read Ayush and Pratik's report titled "One Must Play Dirty." Chats show how Arnab Goswami plotted with Bark CEO. Dear listeners, this is exactly why we at News Laundry keep harping on about the flawed news model that is all about TRPs and grabbing eyeballs and is dependent on advertisement revenue, whether it is from the government or big companies. And this is exactly why News Laundry is hundred percent free of advertisements. We believe, and I'm sure you can too now, that news cannot serve true public interest if it is dependent on advertisements. In fact, a lot of times, not only does it not serve public interest, but it actually ends up harming it in irreversible ways. So, dear listeners, it is time for you to step up as citizens of this democracy and save news. You can do that by supporting independent media houses like ours. Subscribe to News Laundry and pay to keep news free. The Madhya Pradesh High Court yesterday adjourned the bail application filed by comedian Munawar Farooqi to next week after the police failed to produce the case diary. This was despite the Indore police admitting earlier that it has no evidence regarding the allegations against the comedian. Farooqi was arrested in Madhya Pradesh's Indore on the 1st of January. Him and five other comics were booked for allegedly hurting religious sentiments by making derogatory comments about Hindu deities and also for cracking jokes on Amit Shah. However, a few days later, the Indore police said that they had no video evidence to show that the comedian had insulted Hindu deities during his performance. The arrest was made following a complaint from Eklavya Gor, a member of an extremist right-wing group and also the son of Indore BJP MLA Malini Gor. Town Inspector Kamlesh Sharma had told the Indian Express, and I quote, "There is no evidence against him for insulting Hindu deities or Union Minister Amit Shah." Unquote. Despite the lack of concrete evidence, the bail pleas of Farooqi and others have been rejected twice, stating that their release would disrupt law and order. Earlier this week, Indore Superintendent of Police Vijay Khatri had said that Farooqi had not made any jokes about Hindu deities or even begun his performance, and he was arrested on the basis of Eklavya Gor's claims that he had overheard the jokes during the rehearsal. With its new privacy policy becoming a cause of furor amongst users, WhatsApp has decided to delay the implementation of its new policy until May 2021. The Facebook-owned messaging company also assured users that it will not delete anyone's accounts till the 8th of February. Though the new privacy policy did not change anything for personal chats, it caused a lot of alarm. Users were concerned about their privacy and angered with the accept or leave conditions that WhatsApp had added in the terms and conditions. In response, many users have switched to Signal, an app that promises users privacy. Soon enough, Signal became the number one on App Store in India and number three on Google Play. Apart from Signal, Telegram, another messaging app, also saw a host of new users. 
WhatsApp responded to the hue and cry by hurriedly issuing clarifications, including front-page ads in almost all major Indian newspapers that claimed, respect for your privacy is coded in our DNA. In its latest blog post, the company said, and I quote, we're now moving back the date on which people will be asked to review and accept the terms. No one will have their account suspended or deleted on February 8th. We're also going to do a lot more to clear up the misinformation around how privacy and security works on WhatsApp. We'll then go to people gradually to review the policy at their own pace before new business options are available on 15th of May. Unquote. And now for some international updates. More than 2 million people around the world have lost their lives to the COVID-19 pandemic. The global death toll had hit 1 million in late September, nine months after the new coronavirus was first detected in the Chinese city of Wuhan. But it has taken just a little more than three months for that number to double. Some of the worst-hit countries include the United States, Brazil, Mexico and the United Kingdom. United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Guterres, speaking on the impact of the vicious virus, said, and I quote, Our world has reached a heart-wrenching milestone. Behind the staggering number are names and faces, the smile now only a memory, the seat forever empty at dinner table, and the room that echoes with the silence of a loved one. Unquote. UK's Prime Minister Boris Johnson, meanwhile, announced a dramatic tightening of the country's borders last night. All international arrivals will now be forced to quarantine and show that they have a negative COVID test. After months of criticism over the government's lax border policies, which Labour Party claimed were costing lives, the Prime Minister said that he was now tightening the rules to prevent new variants of the virus reaching the United Kingdom and to safeguard the vaccination programme. In a worrying development in Norway, 23 elderly people died within a short time of receiving their first COVID vaccine shot. However, there is no confirmation yet if there is a direct correlation between the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 jab and these deaths. Experts, meanwhile, have said that 13 out of these 23 people who died showed common side effects of mRNA vaccines such as diarrhea, nausea and fever. The Norwegian Institute of Public Health has cautioned against vaccinating elderly people above 80 years of age, saying that those with short lifespan may not benefit much from the jab. The Norwegian regulator further told Bloomberg, and I quote, For those with the most severe frailty, even relatively mild vaccine side effects can have serious consequences. Unquote. Pfizer and Biotech are both working with the Norwegian authorities to investigate the deaths in the country. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.